You are listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Frank and Byron. Today we got a special politically entertaining session for you. We usually have the interview within the show, but we decided to give this brother his own platform separate from the show and expound on any answers that he has. I want to welcome the great Rodney Toomer, a.k.a. DJ Roski, to the show. He's a social activist and a popular DJ in me and Frank's hometown, Mobile, Alabama. Rodney, thank you for joining us, brother. Thank you for having me, brother. Peace and blessings. Say to you, I appreciate that. Um, I want to get I want to get right into it, man. I don't even want to waste any time. Um, there's some gentrification going on in our hometown of Mobile, and for those that don't know, there's a specific definition for it. But in more direct terms, it's usually the pushing out of black and brown people in a neighborhood that more affluent people see all of a sudden a new attraction to that they all of a sudden want to move into. And it's happening all over the country. And once I saw it happening in Mobile, where I'm from, I wanted to get somebody that's like well-versed on the topic. So I thought about you. What is going on in our city? What area is it going on? And and, uh, how how did all of this happen, man? Well, uh, you know, this is our our mayor, Sandy Simpson's second second go-around as far as being our mayor. Uh, He comes from a rich company a rich family he's always they had a lumber a lumber company and he made plenty of money and what has happened is that everybody that on is is on his team as far as the administration 89 90 92 percent of them don't even live in mobile they live in Baldwin county but they're making decisions for mobile and, and what's so crazy about it is that mobile is 53 percent black african-american so we are the majority but we don't run nothing we don't control anything we don't control politics and i'm talking about local we don't control the money we don't control legislation or nothing even though we have a couple of so-called council people that's on the city council but from what what i see is that Two of them are really out for themselves. One of them, district, he even brought up most of the land in the district because he knows that their justification and what they're doing is moving black people out of there. What it's really called is spatial deconcentration. And, and, and spatial deconcentration was something that was made up, uh, I'd say, about, uh, I'm trying to figure out, make sure I give you these, these numbers right. It was in about 1972-73 with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. They began to, it began to surface using these words, and you probably even hear them today, housing, mobility, and fair housing. And it began to, and right then, we began to understand the magnitude of the master plan to rid the city of the inner city poor and working classes. To fully understand this program, we had to examine its history, the atmosphere out of which it developed, and its objectives. Like, for me, like, after this, we had concrete answers for why 50,000 people, poor people, in the year are being driven from the inner city or the inner part, downtown Mobile, out to West Mobile. It used to be a thing in Mobile where West Mobile was, if you moved out there and you had some uh, property or you moved out there, that you really had made it somewhere. Like, you know, that's supposed to have been there. Yeah. Yeah. But now, (laughs) all of a sudden, Roger Williams, which was a housing project, 
they sh- they tore them down, and they sent some of those those residents over to R.V. Taylor, which is in, in Orange Grove and all that, and was they they made a plan. And and what's so convenient about this local government? This plan was in effect 15 years ago. They had already planned it out. And the people that supposed to be representing us, who we put in office as council people, they know this. You know, when the when the riots that rocked American cities in the '60s provoked lengthy government studies to investigate the riots and to make recommendations on what could be done to prevent civil disturbance by oppressed minorities. You remember when the Watts riots and all that happened? Well, President Lyndon Johnson appointed a special commission and the National Advisory Committee on Civil uh, Disorder. They call it the Kerner Commission. And this was the 1968, composed of police and army specialists, FBI, CIA agents, civilian consultants who worked in the think tanks and institutions like Brookings Institute and I think uh, Ram Corporation and the Urban Institute. Now, these commissions clearly connected with the Pentagon, the State Department, the CIA, the FBI. They felt that large concentrations of blacks in the inner city represented a threat to the security of the United States and had to remove and had to be removed from the cities immediately. This happened, and then the Kerner Commission recommendation was that the low-income housing projects and the blacks that live there in them should be relocated from inner-city neighborhoods to sites outside the central city. Now, this would break up the concentrations of blacks within the central city, thus disrupting the whole potential to erupt in the violence in response to their economic conditions. Now, what's so slick about this, and I, and, it, and it really hurt, hurt my heart, I see, I'll go up and down St. Stephen Road every day, and you have people that are still displaced sitting right across the street from Roger William. Roger William, like it never existed there. Mm-hmm. If you'd have been across there, you'd have rolled up down St. Stephen Road. You wouldn't even tell it was there. It's all grass and pastures now. But people are standing over there, and they're like, you know, they don't even understand what happened. Now they're going to dredge the Three Mile Creek, and it goes back past the, the, the graveyard, and they're going to make uh, 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 walkways and bikeways and, and places down there where people, not us, where people can go and just, you know, live live the life. But they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't address that when, when poor people were there. And these people are so wicked that they think about this stuff and they plan this 15 years in advance, man, 20 years in advance. And now they're making it happen. Now they're moving black people out to West Mobile, where if you're moving out to West Mobile, you're really moving out to Mobile County. Therefore, it's gerrymandered because your, your vote does not even count in this city no more. And the majority of people that are moving down are white people. Now, I'm, I, I want to make this straight and plain and simple right now. I never, and it's unintelligent, for me to hate anybody because of the color of their skin. Because the color of skin is inanimate, meaning that this skin can't produce action. But that mind that says that I'm better than you and that you're nothing and you're less than a human being, that's what I go to war with every day. And it just so happened that these people that I'm going to war with happen to be white people, Caucasian people. And, you know, people are always saying, well, we I know some good Caucasian people, and I'm pretty sure we all know a couple of them. But the percentage of them that are not fighting for justice for everybody is so small and minimal that it doesn't even count. You know, we always hear that Martin Luther King said that if the quietness and you, your, your silence is just like a death warrant until the injustice is going on. And he's so right. And this is what's going on. We live in the bottom of the map, brother. Mobile. It don't get no racist more than Mobile. And these white folks down here running this and all these black people, we're so distracted. It takes 
nothing for us to be distracted. If we can be focused on something and then we'll see a, a, a somebody throw a football and it's over with. And that's how distracted, that's how easy we are distracted. Huh, and when you, you know, yep. yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm around here and people be looking at me like, you know, I'm the angry black man. You know, I, I know they do because, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I am angry. Our ancestor, James Barber, said to be black and be conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Because every time you're conscious and you're seeing the things that are happening, it got to make you upset. It has to do something to you, make you feel a certain kind of way. But you know it's wicked. You know what I'm saying? And we don't call it out for what it is. And we got gay peoples here. And, 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 and the gay peoples here are now turning into millennials. Meaning that they're young black people that the, that the mayor and these, these certain cliques of black people are drawing in. And they're becoming gatekeepers where they have certain cliques of people. They won't let certain people in to the resources that they got. And I, I, I know one for sure that's downtown that's on the San Simpson. He can make anything happen in the black community, but he will not. And he's a millennial. He's, he's, less, he's younger than 35 years old, bro. So, so you- my frustration, my frustration is is at an all time high because it's like we are so we 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 see it, but we're so concerned about shoot my French, but we'd rather be more excited about a party or a cabaret or something like that going on than what we actually see for our children. You know, so you, you said something it, that was I, in, you said something that was interesting. You said it's something that's been planned like fifteen years ahead of time. So. With this particular issue, what are some of the signs that people need to be looking for? And is there anything we can do to stop it from happening? Wow. Well, you know, it's like, you know how avalanche is when that when that when that snow car coming off that mountain. Definitely. (laughs) It's it's, it's hard to put up a barrage to stop it, man. And it's unfortunate. Like now, the only thing that I could tell our people right now. They're coming for campground. They're coming to for the campground. They're coming for Africa Town. They want to turn Africa Town into OWA. If anybody know about Baldwin County, they want to turn it into a whole little entertainment park and everything. They're trying to. So our older people, our older elders, that are there, they have property there. And what's so crazy? They they have to they have to re. They don't have to pay taxes on, on it if you're, if you're a certain age, you're a senior. But you have to go every year and re-register. And they don't even know that because we won't have town hall meetings. And I've been telling them, we have to have town hall meetings and we have to educate our elders. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to pay taxes yet. You're a certain age. But you do have to go reassess and reassign, I mean, re-sign your, your, your tax waiver so that you can keep your property. What eventually is going to happen, what they're trying to do is hoping that they don't do that and then they can come through and swipe it up. Same thing, the perfect example is Broad Street, the other side of Broad Street, going down there, Baltimore, probably, probably their house, grandma's house, they used to be on Marine Street, they done bought it, they done fixed it up, and that house that they bought for $25,000, guess how much it is now? It's $250,000. So they're making a way right now. So if I go in there, I'm trying to purchase realty or property that I can't now because they know what they're doing. They know that we can't afford it. And the people that they're bringing in from Airbus, the same thing on DIP. And, the, and I'm going to tell you, be honest, the council person that owns DIP, that, that's the council, that's that the DIP is the district for him. He done bought a property too. And he's part of the whole parasites and part of the blood suckers. And we know exactly who he is, you know, 
But I'm going to save that for another day. But yes. what they're doing, they're buying up Broad Street, they're buying up all that property so they can buy it. So all downtown is going to be Caucasian. You see what they did over there uh, on Water Street. They're building condominiums. The condominiums cost $1,500 to $2,000 to live in. How many black people you know making that much money? The average income for black people in Mobile County is $11,000, brother. $11,000. Wow, wow. You see what I'm saying? Wow. Um, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, DJ. I'm going to call you DJ Roski because you, for those who don't know, um, DJ Roski, DJ My Wedding, um, I got, we, it'll be in a week I have been married, uh, six years DJ at the Battle House. And one thing I will say, um, just as a very positive thing, is, you know, people still talk about that reception and, you know, people may not remember, you know, who was DJing, but the way music makes people feel and come together. Uh, I thank you for um, allowing that and being part of that. So I thank you for that. It was um, mine, brother. I had an awesome time. Y'all threw down, too. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so one of the things you said is very interesting is, so, you know, Byron and I, we, we try to pride ourselves in being, understanding history and I, th- and I think you under- you understand that too, so you don't repeat it. One thing we also are seeing up here, we live, we've been living in Maryland for uh, over 15 years now, as, and so we just saw a similar thing happen in D.C. When I, I I've come to D.C. in 2003, and it was they used to call it Chocolate City, and in the last uh, few uh, years, uh, guess what? There, there's a, there's there's a couple suburbs, Oxen Hills, one of them or whatever. I won't get to all the names; it doesn't matter. But the point is, all of those people that were in D.C. Um, there was a there was a poor district DC Southeast. All those people were getting relocated to the suburbs. And what happened? Like all these projects came in. Like the Nationals came in and built a whole bunch of stuff. And you know people were displaced um, into the suburbs. So now the city is no longer. Um, you know it was. I have a friend. I won't say who is on Facebook. He says Chocolate City is now Vanilla Village. And. Um, the thing about that I'm, that I'm interesting that you're, I'm seeing is it just seems like a, a larger thing at work where this isn't just it's happening regionally in Mobile, but I can also look at where I'm living. I haven't lived in Mobile in, like I said, over 16 years, but I can see the same problems happening. I guess the real issue is when these things have if these when these things are set in motion, um, what what can we do? Um, as as black people in our community to say, hey, how do we figure out how to keep our real estate value up. Is there something we can do? Because I know what happens a lot of times is, right, we end up with negative equity because what happens is you get moved out and you go somewhere and your your price house is depressed and then where everybody moved in, they just got, you know, huge capital gains because like you said, $25,000 house, $250,000. Now you can't get back in. What, what is the What is missing from the infrastructure of the black community overall, this is the kind of, you know, not just in Mobile, but overall, that is that is preventing us from seeing, man, these things coming. Because this isn't just happening in Mobile, this is happening, we're 14, you know, 1400 miles northeast of Mobile, and the same thing is happening. It may not be the same names, and but it's the same scenario. So just what, what are some of the things that, that you can see that are missing and that could possibly be done, if anything? To educate our people, man, about what's going on and how they have to hold on to their property. And the way that you bring your property value up is that you maintain a structure on your home. You know, I mean, I, we got we got to be honest with ourselves. Some of us is kind of trifling, but I just got to be honest, man. Some of us are trifling because we want upstand. We want to keep our house. We want to keep our community. We want to keep our neighborhood up, keep our grass clean. Uh, we need to bring in. It, it's, it's unfortunate that 
especially in Mobile. You go to Tomerville, you go to down the Bay, you go to Maysville, you go to uh, Crichton. Every community that you go to, a black community, everybody, every business in there is owned by somebody that don't look like us. So that that off the top is is, is already alarming. How can we have in the community where we don't have any black businesses? Everybody comes in our community, comes over here, immigrants, they come to our community. The new racism is people that are brown that look like us, but are not us. Arabs, Koreans, East Indians, they, they got color, but the white man ain't got to do nothing no more. He sits back and we, and we let them come in our community, make money, don't invest in our community, don't do nothing, but take. Just keep taking. And we'll get mad at somebody if, if, if I or somebody else say, hey, man, we ain't, finna, we ain't not going to patronize you no more because you're not investing in our community. All you do is take. Man, don't talk about Mr. Such and Such like that. Man, he's good people. He's good. You know, that that goes back to that slave mentality. Master you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, Master, yeah, exactly. But don't, if you look at, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, brother, I can go in any community right now, whether it's a gas station, whether it's a, 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 a business or community, everything is owned by people other than us, man. You know, a lot of people, and I and I take this personally, uh, to me, segregation and integration, integration killed our creative mind. Because at least when we was segregated, we had to depend on each other. And that means that I had to go down to your store. And then I had to go down to Mr. Mr. What's name's record store. I had to go to, to Mr. Mr. Whoever, Mr. Brown, whatever. We, we, have no, we have no choice. But as soon as we were able to go over to that other place and thought that other, that other ice was cold, that other Kool-Aid was sweeter, we left Mr. Brown over there behind. And then he had to shut down. Now we don't, we don't do nothing. All we do is buy. We are the biggest consumers, $1.7 trillion. That's what we do. And it's so sad because 10 countries, this is what I'm going to tell you. Our spending power is larger than 10 countries that's in the whole the whole world off the top, meaning that what black people spend in America can compare to a whole country, 10 different countries that we spend more than them. You know, But we don't produce nothing. If white folks stop making toilet paper day, we won't have nothing to wipe our ass. We wipe our ass with leaves. Wow. Because we don't have nothing. Wow. You know, and and so some of that is very interesting because, you know, and I don't want to jump off the subject, but what I I think, what I also hear you kind of saying is there are black people in position and then they're forgetting, you know, what what they can do to benefit the community. You mentioned somebody, um, you know, downtown in Stimson Camp who can make some moves, but they choose not to. What is it about the makeup of the black community that when somebody gets on, they don't want to put anybody else on? They say, oh, you know, it's too much work. I got here, you know, figure it out. You know, my I pulled myself by my own bootstraps. You know, why don't we see more of the I mean, one of the things I will say, and I don't want to dovetail on this, but people some people are, are criticism of LeBron and I'm not talking about him on the basketball court. But one thing I will say about him as a black man is he brought his friends from high school like there's no he didn't, you know, change his style or anything like his all his boys are part of his empire. And so what I'm saying is why can't why isn't that example? Why can't more black people say, "Hey, you know what? The people that I know that that I grew up with that they, they are good enough. What 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 is what are we being fed that we think, "Oh, you know what? 
I can't do the show with Byron anymore. I need to do it with a white guy because he's he talked better. He's different. Like what what is our what in our makeup has produced that 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 mentality? Bro, that's that's centuries. Uh, we know we've all heard about the Willie Lynch thing, but that's that's centuries of jealousy and envy. It's been embedded in our DNA, brother, from centuries old, where we where we envy each other, like. One of the brothers, one of our brothers, we, he can come up and get some money and then open something in the community, and we won't patronize because we say, oh, that nigga, man, I ain't finna help that nigga get rich. That's our mentality. It's sad, and it's it's a false a false presentation, a false realization that, you know, if I help you, we ain't looking at it, your, your, your success is my success. We don't look at it like that. We look at it like, I'm going to help you get rich, and then I'm not going to do that. I'd rather be poor. I'd rather you be poor and broken out of doors than help you. And that's been ingrained in our DNA from centuries and centuries, and we have to break that. And some of our some of our brothers is, is breaking that. I love LeBron. I don't give a damn what nobody say. LeBron opened a school, man. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. He opened a school, a school of high learning for our people. For young black kids, little boys, little girls that's in inner city that would never have a chance. And just about four months ago, his students are out living or out they they're out gaining in everything as in the education process. They're doing tremendous work because they have an environment now, an environment where they can learn, where they don't have to be distracted by negativity and everything. I DJ at schools. I'm mentoring the schools down here. Our schools are like zoos. Our children are buck wild. I mean, I just had to tell you like it is, brother. I, I feel so hurt every time I leave a high school because it, the children, they don't even care anymore. And, and, and I can't blame them because if I'm going to school and all I'm learning in school is about everything about other people, I'm never learning anything about myself. I never learned anything about where I come from. All I know is that Rosa Parks was on the back of the bus. And from everything that I learned from in high school to middle school and, 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 and elementary is that they don't teach us nothing past civil rights. They don't go before that when the Greeks, when uh, the Portuguese, when all of them were coming to Africa to learn everything to feed the black people, that we controlled everything, that we civilized the Caucasians over in Europe, that we taught them about breakfast, how to eat, how to bathe. We taught about uh, arithmetic. We taught about science. We taught everything. But we didn't went to sleep. Yeah. And all our children are taught. If I was in school every day and all I learned about is about white folks, I wouldn't want to go to school. I wouldn't give a damn. But if I'm learning something about myself, that's another story. Okay. So we have to re-educate ourselves, brother. We, we have a, we're doing a special edition of Politically Entertaining with Rodney Toomer, a.k.a. DJ Roski. Um, the election between Mayor Sandy Stimson, uh, I believe, what, what was that, last year? It was, it was um, greatly debated. Two, two years ago, yeah. almost two years ago. Frank and I did a, a episode on that and uh, in, interviewed people from both camps, and we paid close attention to it. And I know you were heavily involved, and I believe that's when I like really first started like really paying attention to what you were doing in the city. You were heavily involved in that. Uh, since I know you, I know the guy you were pulling for didn't win, Mayor Sandy Stimson, he won. How has the city of Mobile, because it was very divided during that election, has the city of Mobile come back together, and how has Stimson done in this second term, in in your opinion? 
Sandy Stimson is doing the same thing he did the first time, <laughs> which is, is nothing to elevate. Look, you can build structures. You can build tall buildings. You can build condominiums. You can build all the fantastic things that will help a city. But if, the, if you don't build the people up with it, then you'll have a mismanagement and you'll have a, a, um, an imbalance. Everything in our universe is polarity. I mean, it's a yin and it's yang. But for a city to build and you build structures and you don't build the people up, then you know what's going to happen because you know what comes with, with poverty, violence. Mm-hmm. So we live in a city with the ratio of per capita people. We might well say we have a little baby Chicago because it's killings every week. And these killings are not just because these people are bad. These are, these are things that are happening because people have lost hope. They don't have no hope. They don't have no, nothing to look forward to. So they, they don't have any value in life. They don't have no value for anything because they don't have any value for self because they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So all you see is murder after murder after murder. And they ain't doing nothing. They, they It's epidemic. But they don't care because they say as long as these niggas killing each other, we all right. Let them kill, keep killing each other. But we're going to keep building ourselves and moving them out Westmobile, and we're going to build our own little kingdom right here downtown. Sandy Stimson is doing what he's born to do. He's born to preserve a way. He's born, he was born, he was born into the situation to preserve a certain situation. Don't, we have to look at it for what it is. And I, I hate to be raw and just tell you like it is, but you see what's happening, making America great again. It is a fact that the Caucasians, and I'm just being honest with you, they cannot reproduce faster than they're dying. Mm-hmm. So why do you think they, they don't went straight crazy? Like if you have an abortion, if you, if you have an abortion, you go going to jail. That ain't for us, brother. That ain't for black women. Black women have children every day. And we abort and we still having children every day. That's for their children. They for their women. Because they're not producing and they're at a point now where they know by 2035, 2040, they will be the minority, even though they're the minority all over the world, they'll be the minority in the United States and they know that they're losing the grass on their power. They're losing the grass on the culture because it's not about them no more. And they know they're losing everything. So they and they're like really desperate. So they're doing anything. That's why they that's why these people that call themselves Christians and call themselves evangelicals, they can they can sit with Trump and know Trump ain't nothing but the devil. He ain't nothing but Satan. And they can just let him keep doing it and they not they hushes the word. Because as long as they can make if they know that he's gonna maintain a certain criteria for them that's gonna keep them in power, keep them in place, they don't give a damn. And that's what we're seeing now. Sandy Simpson is doing what he what he put in office to do. And I was so hurt. I was ready to move, brother. I ain't gonna lie, I was ready to I, pack my shit I up remember, and go. I remember that post you had, man. I remember yeah, commenting on it. Yeah. I yeah, I said, I'm done. I'm yeah. done because the same people that I seen that was down at certain places, the same people that looked like me was fighting vehemently for Sandy Simpson. And now he in, and they and then he kicked half them to the curb. One of them was he, he had got her to be the uh, the uh, what was the call her? They call her the the, the 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 spokesman for diversity. And when he when he got in, they kicked her to the curb, and she was so embarrassed she left town. You know, I ain't gonna call the sister name, but that's what he did. Up, they use you, and when they done with you, they spit you out. 
and our people go for it every single time. And the same people that I see every day now, ain't nothing changed. And they look at me, and you can tell they, they can't even look me in my eye no more, brother, because they know they done messed up bad. But I keep it moving, and I'm still here. And don't ask me why. <laughs> don't ask me why I'm still here. I'm I'm still here fighting, man. And that's just something to create. But I just can't. I I don't know, man. It's something about this activism, man. With some of us that we leave, we we eat and breathe this. That if I, I feel like if I leave, I'm giving up on my people, man. And so, and I and I and I and I'm gonna say this real quick. I know a lot of people don't like Minister Farrakhan, but Minister Farrakhan is the greatest example to me because this man been teaching and fight for black people for 62 years. We are hard-haired people sitting there. And when I see him, I say, if he can keep doing it, and he's doing it 62 years, and my little 15 years ain't, it's shoot my French, but my, my little 15 years ain't nothing. I got to keep on doing it, man. And he inspires me, man, regardless who, who, who agrees with him or his taxes or whatever. But he inspires me, man. Marcus Garvey inspires me, man. You know what I'm saying? So, then Mark Beatty inspires me, brother. Yes, sir. I wanted to get you out of here with this uh, last question. I did have to comment. I do know, I believe we're talking about the same person that worked on his campaign and why I was not for her candidate. Um, she is a personal friend, and I believe, from what I know, she moved for a better job. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was because he kicked her to the curb, but yeah. Again, you may know more than I do, but I did. I got a little inside, I got a little inside info, but you know, I, I mean, she probably did that too, but save face too, brother. She had to save face because. And and like I said, gonna, I, I wasn't for her candidate. The only thing I hated, she she got a lot of personal attacks, and I just felt like some of the people should have just kept it, you know, policy related. But um, I did want to get you out of here with one last question. You know, we've been talking about gentrification, that highly contested uh, election. Uh, I do want people to know some of the stuff you do in the city. So, you know, if you if you will, because you you were telling Frank and I before we came on what you had just done today. So do you have any events coming up that the, you would like for the people of Mobile to know about? Because I know you're heavily active with uh, doing like DJ battles, to doing things for the kids. Uh, what what does Rodney Tuma have coming up? Well, you know, real quick, um, I, I had started building, I had started, a, I was getting ready to open up a school, an after school, uh, after school place where we was going to teach children how to DJ, we we're going to teach them TV, we we're going to teach them radio, we had studio, and I had a building, and I had got a building, and unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to say the person's name, but he was a preacher, uh, he wound up doing some backstabbing stuff, and he, 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 he signed a contract with us. Uh, that was giving us the building and he signed it with three other people and he got all our money and then he, he broke camp on us. So I'm fighting that in the courts, but it, it really took a lot out of me because I spent about four or $5,000 on this building where we're going to have all kinds of rooms. We have virtual reality, HBCU, HBCU rooms where you can go in there and get on the computers and go to the campus of Florida A&M, Tuskegee, and you can see the campus. You can see what they offer. And as juniors and seniors, you can see the criteria of the scholarships. And they had all that, and I was getting ready to do that. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. I have an organization called Young Kings, and it's a mentorship what we do for young men ages 10 through 16. We just got a new building. We just got another building, so I'm getting ready to start that back up. As far as DJing and everything, uh, I'm kind of laid back, kicked back now. Uh, I have something that's about to jump off, but I'm going to hold on, 
and I, I promise I will let you brothers know as soon as it jump off and in and, and that round. Uh, man, I just, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person, I've never worked for nobody, brother. Mm-hmm. God has always made a, a made room for me to make money off my gift. I, I, I can't work for nobody. I've never worked for nobody. I'm not saying that's nothing wrong with that, but I have never just had an enemy. I always been out there to work for myself, you know, whatever way. And God has always given me the talent to do it. And I thank him. But I want to say this before I go. I want you brothers to look up your sister since y'all from that D.C. area, Maryland. Look up Yolanda Ward. Okay. Yolanda Ward and look up spatial deconcentration. It was a sister that was in D.C. She was a, a, a graduate of Howard University. Actually, she was a student at Howard University. And she was really deep down into that activism, activism right there. And when she brought up the same thing that I brought up, mm-hmm. her and about three friends, they were walking down the street one day. And somebody walked up to her and blew her brains out. They they robbed the other three men that were with them, but they took her, grabbed her by the neck, put her over her head over the over the car hood, and blew her brains out. But they didn't shoot nobody else. Look at that sister. Look at look at what when you get a chance, Yolanda Y U L A N D A Ward W A R D. Look at her. She was a housing activist in D.C. and she battled with these folks, man. And she went to war with him, and unfortunately, the sister was taken out. Hmm. I don't have up. a problem. I'm putting and, it and, up and, now. Wow. Yeah, do that. Wow. I got. I got, and I'm, I, and, I got one one more question for you. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, man. So this this is actually going back. So one of the things that was very interesting. You said um, we we were talking about the Stimson campaign and the person who we didn't name who may have uh, or may not have moved out. One of the things I want to say is as far as the community, let's say we we feel like somebody is on the wrong side of things, right? We don't. We say you know we don't we don't like that. What, where, where is the position where we can reintegrate them? Because we don't, even if we are on the, say, say we find ourselves on the wrong side, why do we create such a barrier to where if we, if that was the case, right? I'm not saying it is or isn't. If that is the case, why can't there be reconciliation? Like, hey, you know what? We didn't agree, but you, what you were doing over there, come back and be an asset over here. I'm not saying that in, in, I'm not even talking about this particular situation, just referring to it in general, like, we have these things where we get divided, right? And things we're on one side or the other, and then all of a sudden we kind of say, "Well, they—that's what they get." Instead of being like, "Hey, you know what? Potentially, you know, if a situation like that happened and the person learned the lesson, why isn't there a bridge built for reconciliation?" I'm not asking you to specifically do that in this case. I'm just saying I see that a lot, and that's really kind of what bothered me during the campaign. Not so much of who was right and wrong, but there is a long game to this too. And by fracturing after an election and losing potential people that could be allies, it, it, it just it just keeps us further away from the goal which we all want to get to. So I just kind of wanted to, to chime in on that because she was a friend of mine as well. And, and so I look at it like, I love what you're doing. And I think there has to be someone who is able to say, you know what, I know when, when people are maybe if, you know, whatever your position is, they're not doing what's right, but I can overlook that and understand Man, we all need to be on the same team, um, and, and so and I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm just I just want to kind of put that out there because I know a lot of times people we have a way of being very much like well that's what they get right, and and, and I want to kind of end that in our community where we can be like you know what you were on the wrong side of that maybe this time or you know we didn't agree with your position but you know what time it is right and and maybe that's not the case but I just wanted to kind of to share that with you and get your get your thought on that. 
by by that that comes from it, my evolving my maturity so two three years ago I've been like I mean I'm I'm always gonna be straight up yeah yeah but now I understand and my maturity and my evolution has brought me to that point where I, I these still my brother still my sister Mm-hmm. You know what? And we're going to always be brothers and sisters. And, and and that would make us individuals because we not supposed to. I don't want nobody, everybody to think like me or agree with me. We're going to have disagreements. But as long as we agree to disagree and we have mutual respect for each other, and if you want to come back or if I mess up and I want to come back, I want to have that room and have that that safety net where, you know what, come on back. We we, we still love you. You're still with us. I had a, and it's real quick. I had a different situation with a gay brother. I said, you know, he said, well, you, you act like this and that. I said, brother, they don't look, when they shoot us or they kill us on the street, they don't say, well, he, he gay, he this, he that. You still my brother. So I don't give a damn what nobody say. Whatever you do, that's your lifestyle. But at the end of the day, you still people with me. And I think that that comes from, for all of us. And, that, and I had to learn that lesson. And I had to ask for forgiveness for that. For all my brothers and sisters that I might have disrespected in my immaturity. In my in my in my stunt of my growth, that I would not allow myself to grow and think like that. Now I think like that. Now, if somebody doesn't agree, and if they're on the other side of the fence, and they look like me, and they feel like the same way, I'm willing. I'm, I have enough in, in maturity in myself to sit down and talk it out, and we can talk, but we're gonna talk with truth. And we can't talk about nothing but truth and facts. And if we come to agreement with these truth and facts, then we have to be like that and sell it like that. But we're going to leave the table as brothers and sisters because we still in this fight together. I like it. And that comes from my, that, like I said, that comes from my evolution and that comes from my maturity. And I'm not the same person. There have been so many times I done wrote and, and wrote about two paragraphs on Facebook and hit that same button, hit that post button. I was like, you know what? I can't do that. This this is not, and I'm so glad that I'm able to see that within myself to to be able to put, to say, hey, nah, bro, we can't get down like that no more. We done moved up, we done matured, we done evolved. We can't do the same things that we used to do back in the day. That's okay, and that comes from everybody's evolution within themselves. That comes from meditation for me. That comes from knowing the truth, but more than that, it comes from praying and asking the Creator for understanding and overstanding where I can be able to be an ally to my brother, whether we agree or not, we still in the same war together. I think we've taken up enough of your time, but it was great to finally talk to you, brother. Like I said, I followed you from afar. I appreciate the work that people like you and, and Nicole Petit do. And uh, a lot of the other names are eluding me, but it's a lot of people down there doing some things in my hometown and uh, Frank and I from afar, man, we really appreciate your efforts. And uh, it's what it's all about. And while I got you on here, since the three of us all from Mobile, on a lighter note, uh, Boogie Cousins, who's from our hometown, he's going through a tough time. Just man, had an injury, man. man. So yes. I just want to say prayers up to that dude, man, because he really Absolutely. represents the city well. And uh, I just hope he gets, gets healthy again, because that, that's... I mean, I know people will say, man, he's a millionaire. He don't need your sympathy. Trust me, man. That's something that man loves, and it's been Absolutely. taken away from him, man. So, well, well you, you know, like the last, you know, the last three, the last three uh, teams that are on the last three contracts, he didn't even get the chance to to, live, to even get his money because he got hurt all three yeah. times. 
Yeah. You know, so, and I love Boogie because he always get back to community. He done done stuff down here. And, you know, I, I seen that too. And I was like, you know, this is just a minor setback for a major comeback. I still think he got it in him. He's, this is just going to help him build his integrity, build his character. And it's going to help other people around him. And he, I think he's going to come back even stronger. I really do. I definitely hope so, man. We we appreciate Absolutely. your time, Rodney, man. And um, hope you all enjoyed this interview, Politically Entertaining, Rodney Tuma, a.k.a. Rodsky. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother, for having me and keep continuing and keep pushing it, man. No slaves alive, brother. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.